Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, I am Tom Reed, joined as always by the Hall of Famer, Dave Molinari. And a little bit later, we will be joined by George Richards of Florida Hockey Now. Uh, We're going to get a little bit of an insight into the Panthers, who the Penguins will soon be playing uh, during this really rugged 12-game stretch that we previewed about a week ago uh, in, in certainly not going to be a make or break, but I think give you a good insight of where the Penguins are. Uh, Dave, uh, through the first six games, they are three and three. Uh, well, we should mention that we are recording on the morning of Friday, which means we're not getting the Carolina result in. Uh, and I thought, Dave, coming into this, this stretch, not only were they going to be playing quality teams, but they're going to be playing some really physical teams. And I, th- I th- just think that the games this time of year start to ramp up in their physicality. And I, I, one of the question marks I've had with this Penguin group was, um, you know, could they hold up physically uh, when it's every other game, every other day, when you stick the playoff setting, where you're going to get a good taste of that. We've already got a good taste of that uh, with the Rangers game, a win and a Tampa, and a win over Tampa Bay. And it's going to keep coming with St. Louis and the like that are that are coming up here in the next couple this week or so. I want to get your thoughts on how you think that this team uh, is built as far as holding up to you know a series a month or two in the playoffs of having to play very grinded out physical hockey. Well, I I think there might be a, a difference between doing it for a series and you know doing it for two months. Right. Uh, you know, there's obviously a, a cumulative effect of, you know, anything. You know, the, the playoffs are, are such a grind under the best of circumstances. And if you run into a series of teams that uh, that like to play a physical game for, for a, a team like the Penguins that is built primarily uh, for skill uh, as, as opposed to physicality, you know, I, I think that could could take a toll uh to this point though i think they have to be really pleased with with how they've uh held up against uh some of the the heavy teams they've faced lately like you know the the rangers and, and uh the lightning i mean you, in the tampa bay's case um 
I think you have to take into consideration that when you're the Stanley Cup champion, you play 82 regular season games against teams that are going to give you their very best. Sure. And, you know, it's not realistic to expect the Lightning to be at its best, you know, every game. But that is still a pretty imposing group. And, uh, you know, the the way the Penguins uh, went in there on Thursday night and, and not only stood up to them, but, you know, dominated much of the game. Uh, was extremely impressive. Yeah, that that uh, that game specifically. That you know, the, clearly they were ready to play, and Tampa was not. I mean, the the shots were ridiculous. Not the shot numbers were ridiculous, but then it gets they get up to two nothing lead, and then it gets back to two one, and you're thinking, okay, here we go, here we go. The the, the Lightning have, have have woken up a little bit, and they're going to come on. They didn't. I thought the Penguins again. There were they they. They took as good as they they gave as good as they took, and really held up on that end of the bargain. There were a lot of scrums. Much it reminded me a little bit of the Ranger game as far as how physical the game. There was a lot of hitting, a lot of there was some open ice hitting, and the Penguins were fine. They they they, they kept bouncing back. And, and and to your point, it's going to be more of in the playoffs every other day for however long you're in it, it's going to be that style. But let's face it, normally during a regular season, Dave, we don't, we may not see this four times a year, the way that the the NHL plays, games are played now. I think this is a good, um, you know, a good window into what we, we might see in the playoffs with this team. Again, with more of these type of games coming up and so far so good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the Penguins aren't going to punish probably any opponent physically, but they, you know, they have to make it clear that uh, they can absorb whatever they're given and that it won't uh, cause them to back down or alter the way they want to play. Uh, and that means, I think, having a kind of a wolf pack mentality. And, uh, you know, they certainly demonstrated that uh in the Rangers and uh, Lightning games, uh, you know, if if guys are willing to uh, to stand up for for each other, you know, there's a uh, you know that generates a synergy, and uh, you know where where the group can become greater than the uh, sum of its parts, and uh, you know there's reason to believe that 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 could be the case with this group. Yeah, and we're going to get to this guy a little bit later, uh, much uh, a little bit more in depth in talking about him. Uh, but I thought the, maybe the leader of that group last night, as far as uh, or again Thursday, this is we're doing this on Friday. But Evgeny Malkin, there there was the one incredible shift where he's just knocking the piss out of a couple Tampa Bay players who are trying to give it to him, and then he ends up leading uh, leading a goal, uh, leading toward a goal that really kind of put the game away. Um, yeah, they, they, they've been impressive. And, 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 you know, the, the main talking point of last night's game, as far as physical play ended up being a fight. Uh, first of all, we don't see a ton of fights anymore. Secondly, it involved two star players in Chris Letang and Braden point. And you just don't see that often in games, especially regular season games. I think it was Latang's first fight since the 2018 playoffs. What did you make of that last night? Well, I think uh, you probably had both coaches, uh, you know, <laughs> holding their breath because you're talking about two star talents there. 
that neither team would be eager to lose with a broken hand because he punched somebody in the helmet. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, but beyond the concern, I, I think they both uh, had points they were, they were trying to uh, make. Uh, you know, Latang that the Penguins were going to stand up to whatever Tampa Bay tried to give them. And I think Point was trying to rally his team, which had certainly, you know, underperformed to that point of the game. So, you know, I'll, I'll give them both credit. You, you know, really, you, you don't like to see star players fight because of the, the danger of, of injury. You know the uh, the lasting effect of of the Penguins losing Latang or Tampa Bay losing Point. Uh, you know would uh, you know they that would last much longer than whatever the benefits uh, were of of them engaging in that fight. But you know that sort of thing is going to happen. And you know they both had something they wanted to get across, and I thought they did. Although you know it certainly. Uh, panned out over the long haul uh, better for Latang than it did for point. Yeah. I, I thought that um, it was interesting that Mike Sullivan, just, <laughs> you could tell, as you mentioned, that's, that's, that is a heart in mouth moment. Uh, but he was like, uh, he was okay with it. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, and it, and it was, it was just two guys competing. I think, I think more than anything, it was just two guys really competing hard and it got, it, 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 it boiled over and uh, there the, the, the were fisticuffs. I'll tell you another player I think has been really feisty and in, in, in not that he always isn't, but Sidney Crosby. Uh, I think Crosby as, as his, as, his uh, as he's heating up points wise, I have just been very impressed with him, you know, sometimes cross-checking guys, just getting, dragging his team into the fight. Uh, so I, uh, you know, it, it, it's, I don't want to say it's starting with him, but it's certainly he's certainly a part of the, of the of the physical play of we're not backing down. We want to get to hard areas, and we're going to do what we have to to get there. Well, yeah, I mean Crosby has always been one to lead by example, and, and I think with this group, uh, you know the 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 core of uh, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang in particular, there's an urgency. You know they realize that. You know, if in fact uh, they have an opportunity to contend uh, for a Stanley Cup, uh, it's you know there there aren't many of those opportunities before them, and I think you're starting to to see that urgency really be reflected in in their play, and uh, you know, as I say, you know, Crosby has always uh, try tried to lead by example and. It's pretty tough to, uh, you know, excuse uh, your uh, lack of willingness to uh, to go into the high traffic areas or to to put yourself in front of an opponent's shot or or anything like that. You know, when your captain is is doing that. Absolutely, I, I, these are good signs for me. I, I again, uh, this the no one should ever. Uh, confused regular season success with what could happen in the playoffs. But uh, I like the way that the Penguins have played recently. Uh, again, the, 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 we, we talked so much about this 12 game stretch. They've started three and three and we'll see where it goes from here. All right. When we get back, uh, we're going to talk about the return of Evgeny Malkin and what we've seen of it so far. Uh, spoiler alert. He's been terrific. Uh, that and more on the 66 to 87 podcast. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, Dave, uh, I think there was a lot of concern or, or um, a lot of curiosity to see how long and if uh, Evgeny Malkin could get back to near top form for someone that, that of his ripe old age of 35. Uh, well, 20 games into this, he has 24 points, including 10 goals and a masterclass performance on Thursday night in the win 5-1 win over Tampa. I want to get your thoughts. Are you surprised at how quickly he's gotten up to speed? Well, I I, I think the, the key word in what that you mentioned there is if as opposed to when, because yeah. when you're dealing with a player in his mid-30s who is coming off reconstructive knee surgery, I don't think you can assume that uh, he will uh, – be capable of, of elevating his game back to the, the level that it once reached. But, uh, you know, Malkin has certainly played extremely well. I think probably exceeded most reasonable expectations, um, since he rejoined the lineup. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, he is coming off an extremely strong performance in Tampa, including, a, you know, a shift that I, I think uh, ranks as, as as one of the finest that that he's had, uh, you know, before the surgery, after the surgery, uh, you know, at any point in his NHL career, it it really encapsulated, I thought, you know, all of the positives of his game, of you know, of which there are many. We we had mentioned earlier in the in the podcast uh, the just the physical nature of the game, uh, Malkin, as as you just. Uh, uh, put that very well. Uh, it was just a complete, uh, a complete package on one shift. Um, if you hadn't seen it, uh, you know it starts out with Malkin throwing a big center ice hit. Uh, Tampa Bay trying to respond to it, and then Malkin knocking somebody down. Uh, the puck finally starts to go in toward the Pittsburgh zone. Uh, his line mates force a turnover. I think it was Heinen. It was that group that gets the puck up to Malkin. Malkin then beats Vasilevsky on a breakaway. It really was uh, an amazing shift for a guy who ended up with three points, who Dave, in the 20 games he's been back, has scored in at least one point in 17. Yeah, that you know, that's not bad. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's probably a little late for him to uh, be in the Hart Trophy conversation for this year, but uh, no, he's you know he's played extremely well, and and obviously if they can have a productive Evgeny Malkin, that will make them infinitely more formidable uh, when when the playoffs get here, because if if he can 
routinely perform at an, an elite level, even if it's not quite the one he reached, uh, you know, in most of that game against the Lightning, um, they will be a much tougher out in a best of seven series. And, and, and right now we're just, again, just describing the points, the numbers that he's put up. And part of that, of course, is the power play. I mean, the power play has always been, it, it can be very formidable with the, with the weapons they can put out there. Uh, Latang, Crosby, uh, Gensel, Rust when he's been healthy. But it seems like Gino has been, you know, Rust obviously dealt with injuries early in the year, in and out of the lineup. Right now that power play is humming, and he's a huge part of it. He is, and and, and they had uh, one that, that led to a Crosby goal in Tampa where, you know, the puck movement was just dizzying. Um, you know, when, when they are operating that efficiently, you know, it's extremely difficult to, I think for any penalty kill to, uh, to stop it, you know, it's an unbelievable challenge. And I think one aspect of the, uh, of the power play that, that shouldn't be overlooked that, uh, goes back to something we, we discussed earlier, I think teams are going to be reluctant to try to take any sort of physical liberties with the Penguins uh, if they know that there's a chance that it could put them on the power play. When, when it is operating the way it has been lately, you know, that's, you're, you're talking about a, a unit that can routinely uh, generate a goal or two per game. And when, when games are, are so close as they tend to be during the stretch drive and playoffs, yep, you know, that can be a difference maker and thus can be, uh, you know, quite a deterrent to other, other teams that, that might be inclined to try to intimidate uh, the Penguins physically, whether, whether those attempts would be successful or not. Yeah, you can go a long way on a power play and a hot goalie. Yeah. Sometimes you can't win it all the way. Uh, you, you and I are, are old enough to remember the, the Minnesota North Stars run that ended with a loss to the to the uh, the Penguins in the, their first cup year of, of 91. But that was Minnesota's formula. Uh, uh, again, I think you have to have a little bit more than that to win the cup. But uh, there's no question that that this power play right now is is lethal. And to your point. Uh, it's one of the benefits sometimes when it's that good teams worried about taking, you know, you know, should I hook this guy? Should I, you know, whatever. Uh, and it, it, it's going to help you on re- regular strength because teams are going to be leery of, of, of taking, uh, uh, penalties. Um, do I understand you to say that Minnesota had a team called the North Stars? <laughs> yeah. Back, in, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if you can look it up history, History's been uh history's been on the defensive, but you can still right now look up in history books and find the Minnesota North Stars. Um, Dave, one other thing I wanted to want to get in here at the end of our our second segment is Mark Friedman. Uh, I th- thought Mark Friedman last night was going to get killed by Patrick Maroon at one point of the game, but this is just seems to who be who Mark Friedman is. Uh, he's a defenseman that has been rarely in the lineup. Uh, he gets in, he's been in this stretch with Mike Matheson out and I've noticed him in every games. He's, he's, he's taking pucks off the line. He's agitating opponents. Uh, he's one of those rare defensemen that can play his opposite side, which is such a, 
a, a nice feature to have, especially when you're a depth defenseman. Uh, what have you thought of this little stretch that he's put together? Oh, he's, you know, he, he's been uh, very good and he, he's been a lot more fun to watch than he is to play against. Yeah. I mean, he's not a big man. He's, he's not going to physically punish anyone, but, but he's more annoying than a pebble in, in your skate. Yeah. Uh, just a constant irritant. Uh, you know, there, there is, there's a reason that, that so many opponents, you know, uh, would like an opportunity to do physical harm to him. He's, he's just really aggravating to, to play against. And, and I'm guessing to be within earshot of, if you're not wearing the same sweater that he is, uh, he's, I mean, he's really been a, a very capable fill in for, uh, for Mike Matheson on, on that third pairing opposite Chad Ruedel, uh, you know, I, I don't know that he will uh, be a threat to stick in the lineup when uh, when Matheson is able to return when whenever that might be. Uh, but he, to this point, has certainly performed very credibly in that role, and I, I you know, I think solidified his credentials uh, as, as an NHL defenseman as as much as a player can in such a small sample size. You know what was interesting? If you if you think back to last season, uh, how the Flyers went at him. He the Flyers were his former team, and the Flyers seemed to have issues with Friedman. So that was like your first hint of what what's what, what's going on with this guy. Uh, there's there's something <laughs> when when your former team is like trying to take runs at you in games. Uh, there must be something there, and uh, I, you know, I think during the course of a long season, even as re- as reporters, you you look for something that's a little refreshing or something you didn't expect. And this right now, this little Mark Friedman stretch has been pretty good. And I and I do wonder, Dave. Um, you know, we've talked as a you know with, with a deadline coming up. What are their needs? And I think both of us, I think we agree that they they could use another forward on that second line even though that second line played pretty well for the first time in a long time against Tampa. Uh, but depth defense, every you always talk about depth defense. And if Friedman is able to kind of sh- convince management that, look, we're okay. We're okay. We've got another capable defenseman here. Uh, that's a, That would certainly be really strong for him as his case uh, to, to remain with this team. Yeah, I mean, I, I... – I think that Ron Hextall probably is confident in his ability to, to play at this level if needed. You know, that's why he claimed him uh, from the, from the flyers, you know, where he was certainly familiar with him. Um, you need more than seven. If you're going sure. to go on a long playoff run, you'd probably better have at least eight or nine guys who can perform capably in the NHL because you know, you're going to have defensemen get hurt. You know, it's, it's, the playoffs are a battle of attrition. And, but, you know, um, Friedman certainly, I, I think, uh, to this point has, has given the, uh, the coaching staff confidence that if, if a situation arises where it has to call on him, that, uh, you know, th- those coaches can, can be, you know, pretty certain that he's, he's going to handle his duties effectively. Yeah. No, 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 no uh, doubting that. All right. When we come back, we'll be joined by Florida Hockey Now writer uh, 
George Richards, who will give us a kind of some insight into those Florida Panthers here on the 66 to 87 podcast. Sixty-six to eighty-seven podcasts, and I am always delighted uh, to be talking to our next guest. I think first time on our podcast, but we will certainly have him back. George Richards from Florida Hockey. Now uh, I've known George for a long time. George worked up here in Colum- the Columbus market for a long time. Just a, a, a great guy. Does a great job covering the Panthers. And, and George, uh, are they expecting a, a, a long run here? This year, this is a really good hockey team. What are your what are your thoughts on their chances this year? Well, I'll tell you, Tommy, this is the first time I haven't made summer plans. You know, I I don't know what I'm going to be doing with this team. I mean, usually you could say, well, usually, you know, as long as I've covered the Florida Panthers, it's always been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. May 1st. Yeah, I could be there. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) This year. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, this team is a legitimate contender, right? I mean, you've seen them play, um, they've got all the tools. We don't know what Bill Zito is going to do with the, the trade line deadline to tweak some things here and there, but, um, yeah, they, they, this, this team, you know, is poised to, to make a run. Um, you know, a lot of people down here would just like to see him win the first round though, you know, just, just get out of the first round and then we'll worry about the rest. Yeah. George, they've got a legitimate shot at, at, finishing first in, in the division, obviously, is, yep. is, is that something of consequence or, or of significance to, to the team? Uh, if only because you don't want to get in that two, three matchup in, in the first round of the playoffs, which, you know, a, a good team is going to get knocked out then. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Dave, I, I think last, I think the Panthers, you know, would have been uh, well suited last year if they would have won the Central, right? They ended up a point behind Carolina, and they end up playing Tampa Bay in the first round, and um, they lose in six. I think, you know, no matter who you play in the East, it's not going to be easy. Uh, if you win the Atlantic, you're looking at playing, you know, Boston or somebody. That that's not a lot of fun. So um, it's, but but still, you you want to win the Atlantic, you want to win the division, you get the easier. You don't want to have to play Tampa Bay or Toronto, which it looks like is going to be the two, three, uh, or Florida's, and you know, they'll be in that mix. So so you avoid Tampa, Toronto in the first round if Florida can win the Atlantic. So yeah, I think that's something that they're going to add in the schedule. The way it, the way it lines up is not very tough. Um, I, I believe it's the 30th, you know, it, it's like next to last as far as schedule toughness. They've got a lot of, a lot of easy ones coming up or, you know, supposed easy ones. So we'll see how they do, but, but that's what they're looking at. George, um, Dave and I were just talking uh, about the Penguins and Tampa Bay game on Thursday night. Uh, the Penguins won that game five to one, but uh, you know, you're playing against a team that's won multiple cups here in Tampa. And yet yeah. it seemed like there were a ton of, of, of Penguin fans in the building. Um, how has attendance been for Florida this year? You know, I've been in that building in some years when they weren't nearly as good as this and it was really down. I mean, there, there was, there was no one in the place. I mean, this is a, as we've been 
alluding to a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, how how has attendance been this year? Well, you know, it's tough to gauge when Pittsburgh comes to town because that's just the way it is in Florida. I mean, you know, how, how many how many friends of yours have moved down here over the years? I mean, there are a lot of Pittsburgh folks in, in Florida. Um, the Panthers drew 17,000 last night for a Thursday night game against Ottawa. It, it's baby steps for this franchise. Uh, you know, they, they kind of, you know, lost about 10 years, and they've been building it back ever since. I think that the crowds have been started to come back. They're still going to get games where they only get 14, five or 15, but even to them, they're looking at that going, well, that's an improvement over past years. So um, they had a big crowd here uh, last month. They had 18,000 for uh, San Jose on a Saturday. Uh, they, they're looking to have a nice crowd here uh, this Saturday against Detroit. So, you know, it's starting the word of mouth about this team is starting to catch on TV ratings are through the roof for them. Um, you know, and as long as they don't have to go head to head with the Miami Heat every game, which which happens a lot down here, I, I think you know it's not a coincidence that the Miami Heat and the and the, and the Florida Panthers play on the same days, time after time. Um, you know, so that definitely hurts Florida as well when it comes to attendance and and, and viewership. Uh, George, with uh, you know, there's no shortage of of star power on that team with with guys like. Huberdo and Ekblad and Barkov and Sam Reinhardt. But when the Panthers are in Pittsburgh on Tuesday, the, the guy that uh, might get the, the most attention is Patrick Hornquist. Yeah. What, what kind of season is he having and what, what value does he have to that team? Well, I mean, I, you look at his salary and then you would question it. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's why, you know, Jim Rutherford was was ready to part ways with him last summer or whenever that was. Um, but off the ice, nobody can question his leadership. And I think Florida really needed that. Um, his importance to Florida was obviously a lot more than it was to a veteran team like Pittsburgh, a team, you know, with guys like Crosby and everybody. Um, the Panthers needed um, Patrick Hornquist in their room. He really set the tone and he's been credited um, not only by, you know, Andrew Burnett, but Joel Quinville as well. And Bill Zito as a guy that really came in there and didn't take any nonsense from day one from these guys, the Panthers always had talent, but there was something missing. There was something, you know, they, 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 you know, they needed a gut check and they got it with Patrick Hornquist. Now, as far as his play on the ice, he got a goal last night. He's on the second power play unit. He's doing all the things you expect him to do. He's still ticking people off. He got, you know, he started a, a scrum last night. Um, you know how he does. He, he made a big hit skates away and then, uh, lets the, you know, lets the bomb go off. Uh, you know, nothing's changed there. He's playing pretty well. Um, the Panthers need him. They're going to, he's going to be a big part of this moving forward. And, uh, you know, he's, he's horny, right? I mean, he's a guy. <laughs> what a way to put it. Uh, George, you had, uh, casually alluded to, but for, for fans that, that kind of forgot about it and it's kind of easily to forget at this point because how well Florida's plays, they had a major coaching shakeup at the beginning of the season. Uh, you lose a future, yeah. well, you know, a, a potential Hall of Fame coach in Joel Quinville, and you're thinking, whoa, what, what's going to happen here? You know, are, they're going to have to go outside the organization, uh, uh, bring in sure. a Rick Tockett or somebody. And Andrew Burnett stepped in there, and uh, the job that he's done, how has he been able to step in and, and just kind of keep this train rolling? 
I think, you know, uh, being a part of Joel Quinville's staff for the, for the, for the past three years has definitely helped. Um, he was one of the first hires that, that Joel, Joel made. Um, he was fired from his job in Minnesota the day that, that, that Q took this job in Florida. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, Bruno played for Quinville in Chicago, in Colorado and Chicago. So they knew each other pretty well. That said, um, he, he had a familiarity with the organization, with, with, with the systems. Uh, so nothing really changed, right? I mean, you just kind of plug and play. Now you lose Joel Quinville behind the bench. You lose Joel Quinville in the room. You lose Joel Quinville. Uh, but I, I think the players kind of relate to, to Andrew Burnett. They respect him. I mean, the guy played 1,100 NHL games. He's seen a lot of stuff. He played on some really bad teams. He's played on some pretty good teams. Um, you know, so he righted the ship. And I said it, you know, when, when it happened, I, I think that, that, that Bill Zito was going to let him handle things until it looked like he was in over his head. And that hasn't happened. Um, the Panthers have gone through, a, you know, a couple low spots. They've had some injuries. They lost Barkov and Duclair and uh, a couple other players for, for a stretch of time. And they were able to sustain it and su 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 uh, survive it um, and then come back when they were healthy and, and blow teams out of the water. So he's handled it well. Um, I think he's growing on the job. You see it every day. Um, he's more confident. He's more, you know, you could see uh, the moves that he's making on the ice. He's not afraid to, to pull a guy or anything of that sort. He's making difficult decisions. I think he's done a real good job. And, you know, I, I think the interim tag, unless something, unless the Panthers have plans for next year that we don't know about, the interim tag probably should come off. Uh, George, this is no surprise given uh, some of the personnel there, but the Panthers are the most or the highest scoring team in the league. They're averaging over four goals a game. Yeah. Defensively, they're in the middle of the pack. Is that any kind of cause for concern going into the playoffs where obviously, you know, uh, if, if you accept the adage that defense wins championships, um, you know, there are, there are a lot of teams that have been more stingy than Florida to this point of the season. Uh, yes, uh, I, I think there is, unless if you, until you watch them every night, because there are games where Florida can clamp down and play good defense. They did last night, um, even though they took uh, 48 shots, I believe, against Ottawa. Uh, they gave Ottawa nothing. I mean, it, I, I don't think Ottawa was in the Florida zone, but, you know, five times the entire game. It was just unbelievable the way Florida clamped Sorry, down. could you say that? Clamped down on Ottawa. Um and then they do that at times. Um, they are they are a team that takes a lot of chances. You've got, you know, Aaron Ekblad a lot of times behind the opposite, you know, behind the net on, on the on the pinch. I mean, you know, you don't see that a lot from defensemen. Um, and then Florida gets caught coming back, and, and that's just going to happen. The, the, this aggressive style that they play, we saw it a little bit, you know, you know, with other teams, um, you know, the not playing safe hockey, that kind of thing, and you can get away with that in an 82 game regular season. And that's a big reason why Florida's offense is as good as it is, uh, is because the defensemen are so good offensively. Ekblad, Mackenzie Weger, uh, Gus Forsling, you know, it, Brandon Montour's got a ton of points. So Florida's getting a lot of offense from its defense. That'll change, I think, as, as we see the the, the the final weeks of the season. I think you'll see Florida kind of change its game to adapt more towards what's going to happen in the playoffs. George, you know, one similarity I think that the Penguins and the Panthers fans have 
is a concern um, with their goaltending situation. Certainly, last you know, right now, Christian Jari's played well, but I think there are people that are worried after how poorly he performed last year. You know, yes, he can do it in the regular season. We've seen that, but now can he do it when it matters? And I yeah. would think that there would that would have to be the one cause for concern in Florida when, when you have Sergei Bobrovsky, who's had a really for the most part, a poor track record in the playoffs, except for the one year in in, in, in uh, Columbus where they swept the Lightning and played pretty well against Boston. Uh, what is the level of concern there as far as getting that getting that far, and then you know, can he or whoever is going to be uh, carry them uh, through four rounds? Well, they hope so, right? I mean, because yeah, it, 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 there's no doubt Sergei Bobrovsky's playoff history is is checkered and it's not very long. Um, and he's the guy that's going to have to carry him. Now, Florida's got Spencer Knight, the 20 year old, uh, who's currently at, at the AHL level with playing in Charlotte just to get some games in. I believe he'll be back perhaps as early as this coming week um, to, to back up Bob. And he played pretty well um, in limited opportunity last year against Tampa. But there is definitely a concern about Bob when you look at his history. Now, Bob has been really good for the Panthers this year, but but there's there, you know, every time he has one of those, you know, four goal games, people start to wonder. Then he comes back and he, you know, he gives up two goals and on 40 shots. So, um, this has been the best year Sergei Bobrovsky's had in Florida. The first two seasons, pretty inconsistent. Um, he didn't get a lot of help defensively the first year. The second year, he was better. This year, he's, you know, he's he's in the middle of the pack as far as NHL goalies go. Um, but, you know, the Panthers are going to have to ride him because they really don't have any other choice. All right. Good stuff, as always, from the great George Richards. George, thank you for joining us this week. And for George Richards, Dave Molinari, this is Tom Reed. We will talk to you next week on the 66 to 87 podcast.